If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. All right, let's take our Bibles and turn over to Acts chapter 2. Oh man, Acts chapter 2. Now I'm telling you right now, there is no way I'm going fast through this chapter. All right? Because there's so much in this. There's so much. Oh, this, this is this is just, this is not the chips and salsa. This isn't the salad. This is that 16-ounce T-bone steak kind of chapter. All right? How do you like your steak? Just say it loud. Rare? Yeah, me too, man. I like it to moo a little bit when I cut into it. Cold red center. You getting hungry yet? Uh-huh. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get into some wonderful things tonight, um, and I'm so excited about it. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, I want us to notice something here, that Jesus did not tell them th- that the Holy Spirit was coming on Pentecost. He didn't tell them about the specific, specific day. He just said, go and wait for the promise of the Father. All right? So they came, and they were there for their first fruits offering. That's what, that's what this, this was the a Jewish feast, and they were there to, now let me just read the definition. If you're following with me on, on you version, I have some notes here, and I've got this, this definition in the concordance. Pentecost just means the 50th day. Uh, Jesus actually had um, been with the disciples for 40 days, and then 10 days later, this happened. This is beautiful. It's the second of the three great Jewish feasts celebrated at Jerusalem yearly, the seventh week after, Passover, after the Passover, in grateful recognition of the completed harvest. Now, how timely is that? That the Holy Spirit would just happen to fall after the completed harvest when the Son of the living God, the seed of all time, the seed of seeds, was sown in death and reaped many sons. Hallelujah. And this day, by celebration of that harvest, the Holy Ghost shows up. Verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. I want you to notice this. This is the sound of a rushing mighty wind. Now, I don't know if you've, anybody ever been in a tornado or been very near a tornado? There, that is a very distinct sound, isn't it? Years and years ago out in West Texas, 1995, May 28, 1995, I'll never forget that day. And my parents were out of town. Heather and I don't, hadn't even been married a year, and we're over at their house one Sunday afternoon. We're taking a nap, and Jennifer, my sister's watching TV in the front room. Well, she comes back in there, and she's like, ah, I hate to bother you guys, but something looks wrong outside. The sky looks really bad. And about the time she said that, the whole north part of the house, all the windows, <laughs> came busting in. And hail came shooting into the house, and tree limbs, and I mean, the sound was eerie. And I've heard people say that it sounds like a locomotive train, and it's exactly what it sounds like. One block from our house, the tail of the tornado actually hit the front of a country and western bar. And it was just, and man, I'm telling you what, we were freaking out. I don't think I've ever prayed in tongues harder and louder in my life. And, and we were just hoping to survive the event. And I'd always heard, you got to go get in the bathtub. Right? 
So I said, let's go, let's go. So Jennifer and Heather are there laid down in the tub, and I'm over on top of them. I don't have a shirt on. And we're on the north part of the house, and the window, there's a window right there above us. Of course, it breaks, and glass starts falling down. I said, this is stupid. This is going to kill us. Let's get out of here. So we got out of there, and we ran into my parents' room, and we took their mattress, and we threw it over our heads, and we just prayed for daylight soon. And it was a destructive force. This sound of a rushing mighty wind brought no destruction, but there was power released. I think it's interesting that in the New Covenant, we're going to take just a few minutes here and look through some scriptures. In the New Covenant, I find that God has this amazing ability to take what is meant for destruction or death or evil and do something quite wonderful and miraculous with it. Yes. Turn over to Matthew chapter 27. I did this study about earthquakes. And earthquakes in the New Testament and what happened, the result of earthquakes in the New Testament. This is interesting. This first one we're going to look at is Matthew chapter 27. We're talking about destruct, what, what could be destructive, but yet God does something miraculous. Matthew 27, verse 50, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, which means God did that. And the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. Why does this go into the detail of telling us that the rocks were split? except to send out a strong, strong message to all of us today that by that death, by that fulfillment at that cross, the very rocks that men put up and held in their hands and cast judgment on those who had broken the law were split, giving the message to all mankind, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Colossians chapter 2 verse 14 says, and the handwriting of requirements, he wiped it out. The handwriting of requirements, that which was written on stone tablets, he took it out of the way. That was, that was, that was contrary to us. It was against us. It was contrary to us. And he take it, he's taken it where? Out of the way having nailed it to his cross. What was that handwriting of requirements? Well, Galatians gives us a peek into it that it was the curse of the law. It was the curse of the law. These words, God pronounced words, and those words were either made up of cursings or they were made up of blessings. And don't forget that in the beginning, John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the what? The word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word he, that is, was in the beginning with God. Well, who's he? Jesus. And the word became what? Flesh and dwelt among us. So then the word, the word nailed, the word was nailed to a cross. That word that was the curse of the law was nailed to that cross so that only the words of blessing would then be ushered into us. That the blessing of Abraham would come upon the Gentiles, that we would receive the promise of the Spirit by faith. That cursed word, nailed, taken out of the way. Awesome. Those rocks were split. 
that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good result so far of that earthquake. Pretty good result. Now watch. 52 of that chapter, Matthew 27. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. This earthquake didn't put people in graves. This earthquake caused people to get out of their graves. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. It didn't kill people. It raised people from the dead. What is God doing with an earthquake? Now look at this. Verse 54, so when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus, these are him and other soldiers, saw what? The earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. This earthquake turned believers from doubters. Turned doubters into believers. There's marvelous things happen from this earthquake. Most earthquakes are not positive at all. They kill people. They wreck things. They wreck homes. Seems like these are, this earthquake's putting things together. Miracles are happening. Now watch Matthew 28. Let's go to the next chapter. The next sighting that we see of an earthquake in the New Testament is now after the Sabbath day, 28.1. As the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great... For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. This earthquake was the result of an angel of the Lord descending from heaven to earth the stone was rolled away, and light was everywhere. See, this is the moment, ladies and gentlemen. This is the moment when the light of the glorious gospel was lit. This is the moment when the stone was rolled away. The gospel came alive. What is in that gospel? All the power to recreate man. All the power to take that which is old and make it new, to take that which is dead and make it alive. The light of the gospel. It's interesting that the gospel is words. Again, words. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. Notice what the angel said to them later on in that chapter. He said, I know that you're seeking Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen. He's risen. And that message went out and has continues to reverberate and men continue to this day to be a new creation by that power that was released recreated it's kind of interesting that it was an angel descending from heaven to the earth because another angel had descended from heaven to earth thousands of years before known as lucifer But when he hit the earth, the lights went out. And the scripture teaches in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. That word without form means a wasteland. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the spirit, now watch this, and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of what? So something's there. It wasn't, there was nothingness there. There's waters there, and then there's this wasteland. What happened? An angel had descended from heaven, and the lights went out. It was a f- not an angel of God anymore, as was in 
Matthew 28, and the lights went out. But what did God say? Let there be light, and under that light, all creation came to be. How? By words. By words. But now, on this side, when an angel of the Lord comes down from heaven, the stone gets rolled away, and the light of the gospel is lit. Hallelujah. And a man can be created in Christ now. Are you all right? Yeah. Now, watch. Go to Acts chapter 4 for a moment. Now, this is interesting. So, so far, this first earthquake at his death, and then the second earthquake at his resurrection. And now, look at Acts chapter 4. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. The building was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. This earthquake made a whole bunch of preachers, bold preachers. So far, so good. In Acts chapter 16, you guys know this story. 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. This earthquake set prisoners free. This earthquake resulted in a man who was about to take his own life for fear of his life because of the prisoners being set free. And Paul, Paul uh, uh, arresting him, saying, no, don't do no harm to yourself. Everybody's here. And the man came to them and said, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, you and all your house are going to be saved. And sure enough, the man and all of his house got saved. Earthquake. And all of these seem to be ordained of God. But, according to, but when God's behind it, life is happening. Miracles are happening. People are being set free. How dare we accuse God of earthquakes that bring destruction? When, when we see biblical earthquakes that happen by God, only good things happen. I think he's shown us the contrast. The scripture teaches us that the world is groaning for the sons of this earth is in turmoil, according to uh, Romans 8. This earth is in travail, waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. In the end time, there are going to be earthquakes in various places, but the end is not yet. But only those that we see that are God ordained, only good things come from them. That shows us the difference Jesus made, ladies and gentlemen. That's the difference Jesus made. Let us never forget the difference that he made for us. That that curse was really broken at that cross. Sin was truly dealt with at that cross. The works of the devil were destroyed. But it's on you and I to enforce and invoke that victory. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I came to church so far. Now watch. Let's go back to Acts chapter 2. I want you to notice here that it says that 
It filled all the house where they were sitting. Filled all the house where they were sitting. Suddenly there came from heaven the sound of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. The whole house. That sends a clear message that this is for everyone. The whole house. All right? Now watch. Where they were sitting, they weren't standing. They weren't kneeling. They weren't lying on the carpet. They weren't running around the room. Now all these are very valid expressions of worship, but not required for the manifestation of the Spirit. And I say that because some of you kind of had the same upbringing I did. That if you're going to get into the Spirit, you kind of had to work it up, right? I mean, you had to churn, churn, churn. You had to tarry, tarry, tarry. You know, you had to... And it was just work, 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 work until you're up to this Pentecostal frenzy, right? I'm not saying it can't happen that way. I'm just saying... It's not the requirement. But when I was, this church I was raised in, the little Christian school I went to, that seemed to be the requirement because that's the only way we ever experienced those kinds of things. That little school I went to where they were so bound up, bless their hearts, no makeup. You're bound up if you can't wear makeup. Long, <laughs> didn't cut any of their hair. Didn't cut, I mean, you're going to hell for everything. I can remember as a kid being so scared because all I ever heard was, you go to hell for that. Don't do that, you go to hell. Do that, you go to hell. Don't do that, you go to hell. And I was like, boy, I'm just hoping to have a good day today. To do nothing that would send me to hell. That was all it was about. Going to hell, going to hell. They'd have revival meetings where they would encourage people to bring their TVs to church. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And they would beat these TVs with sledgehammers. And boy, I mean, they were breaking up in revival. And I remember one day sitting in class, and they always talked about, they always catching us in our words and everything. I mean, just like police all the time. I remember sitting in my, and, and saying that you can't say things like, you betcha, or I betcha, say, that's gambling, that's a sin, you'll go to hell for that. Yeah. Of course I will, okay. <laughs> so I'm sitting at the, at the desk, and I, one of my teachers was back here one day, and she was talking to another teacher, and she said, you know what, I bet you. And I looked back at her, I said, you'll go to hell for that. She did not like me calling her to the carpet on it. And I got in trouble for that. But I'm like, oh, so it's one way. Okay, I see. But that's what legalism is. It's just a cycle of psychoness. Nobody can live up to it. They couldn't even live up to God's law. Romans 8, 3 says that God's law was weak in the flesh. How do we think our law is going to measure up? If God's law was weak through the flesh, God did by sending Jesus in the flesh to condemn sin in the flesh. Hallelujah. We needed Jesus. We didn't need more rules. Where was I? Filled the whole house where they were sitting. They were sitting. Oh, yeah, they were sitting. They were sitting. They were just sitting. I want you to understand today this gift of the Holy Spirit that you have can happen by you just sitting and opening your mouth and speaking in other tongues. Don't have to have, oh, can we get a musician in here? We got to get the anointing flowing in here. Hey, you are the anointed one. The anointed one lives in you. Just stir it up. Just go for it. 
Pray in tongues right where you are sitting. As a matter of fact, let's just practice it right now. Just lift your voice. If you pray in the Holy Ghost, just lift your voice and pray in tongues right now. Come on, let's do it. I want to hear you. All right, now stop. Now, is this beautiful? Is this beautiful? Paul teaches this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He said, what is the conclusion then? I will pray in the Spirit, and I will pray in the understanding. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding. The key word in that whole verse is will. I will do it. My will is enforced. My will is intact. When I, God's not coming down, grabbing my tongue, going, <laughs> because that's the kind of things, those are the kind of experiences I thought, I'm telling you that I was taught that God's going to come and take over your body, right? That's a scary thought. Because God's not going to, he is not, not going to force himself to break his own rule of free will. Paul said, What's, I will pray in the Spirit. I will pray with the understanding. I love this. This is beautiful. God's given you this gift. This is for you to use. Verse 3, Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. Wow. That would have been awesome to see that. Divided tongues as a fire, set upon each. And everybody had a little flame on top of their head. So there's the sound of a rushing mighty wind, and there's this divided tongue as a fire setting upon each of those. And they were all filled, watch this, with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. How do you know someone's filled with the Spirit? How can you know someone's filled with the Spirit? Because they smile a lot? Because they're real positive? How can you know? Well, this says they were all filled with the Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Peter, remember in Cornelius' house, remember he's preaching the gospel, whoever believes on him will receive remission of sins. And it says, and while Peter Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Spirit fell on those (laughs) who heard the word, and they, what? And Peter and them were all astonished at what they were hearing because they heard them speak with tongues. Right? Right? So Peter later on is talking about this to the Jews and he's explained it to me. He said the Holy Spirit fell on them just like he did on us in the beginning, which here's the beginning, Acts chapter 2. That's the only way Peter knew that they got filled with the Holy Spirit because he heard them speak with tongues. Because in Cornelius' house, there's no mention of a sound of a rushing mighty wind and there's no mention of divided tongues as a fire. The only thing The only similarity to Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 10 is they spoke with tongues. They were filled with the Spirit. And Peter knew that they were filled with the Holy Ghost because he heard them speak with tongues. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if Peter doesn't know that you're filled with the Spirit until he hears you speak in tongues, then you don't know. (laughs) Amen? Amen? So let's not act like we're smarter than the Bible. Come on. To be filled with the Spirit is to speak in other tongues. Come on. Now, 
I'm not saying that means that you're not saved that if you don't speak in tongues. But I'm saying if you do speak in tongues, that means you are saved. Let me say that again. Y'all need to hear that again? It doesn't mean you're not saved if, you're not spe- if you don't speak in tongues because you save how? By grace through faith. But it does mean you are saved if you do speak in tongues. And ne- you never see in the scripture ever, ever, ever when somebody spoke in tongues that they go, oh, Lord, give us the spirit of discernment. Help us to know this is of you. We just don't know. You just never know. It could be the devil mimicking the Holy Ghost. You never, ever, ever see that in the scripture. They always believed it was God. See, we got our think. We gotta start thinking like these guys. We gotta start thinking like the Bible teaches us to, instead of how we how we think. We'll talk ourselves right out of the greatest things that God has given us. I want to finish with this. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I love the word utterance here. I'm gonna do my best to pronounce it. Let me just spell it first so you'll, you'll forgive me if I botch this. A-P-O-P-H-T-H-E-G-G-O-M-A-I. Anybody want to take a stab at it? Okay. Please. Apophthagomai. That's all I can do. Sounds like a dish you would order at Olive Garden. I'll have the apophthagomai. Now watch this. Listen to what it means. To enunciate plainly. <laughs> to enunciate plainly? Really? Because when I heard all y'all speaking in tongues, that didn't sound plain to me. To declare, speak forth, utterance. Now watch this. This is my favorite part of this whole definition. Not a word of everyday speech, but one belonging to dignified and elevated discourse. Wow. Not a word of everyday speech but one belonging to dignified and elevated discourse. Play that video. Mimo. Some of you will remember this. One belonging to dignified and elevated discourse. Having problems with it? All right, just keep working on it. Think about this. Isn't it just like God to take something that to our ears sounds like babbling, sounds like nonsense, and yet make that dignified and elevated discourse? This is the highest form of communication. Praying in the Holy Ghost. And we, we try so hard to put the right kind of words together when we pray. Because we want to sound so smart and so mature. And we want others to know that we've got such a deep prayer life. We might even throw a thee and a thou in there once in a while. Right? Because we can only conjure up so much wisdom of our own. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it ain't anywhere close to dignified and elevated discourse. 
Oh, howdy. Now, God either has a big-time sense of humor or he knows or his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. And I kind of think A and B are to, together on that. <laughs> I think both things are true. We got it yet? Yes, no one. Please pass the all fruit. Pass the pollen all fruit. Pass the pollen all fruit. Not working. Would you please pass the jelly? Pollen. All right. Never mind. You guys remember that commercial? When they had that fruit preserve, they called it all fruit. And they're all passing around this all, please pass the all fruit, please pass. And there's Gomer Powell basically saying, would you please pass the jelly, right? Some, somebody's not talking like everybody else, right? Well, th this is kind of how you look if all you ever do is pray in your own understanding, all right? When God has a higher language, an elevated discourse, dignified speech, and it don't have to make sense to you. All you have to do is trust God in this deal. The Spirit, when you do this, when you pray in the Spirit, this Bible says you speak mysteries. Yes. Glory to God. Bless you. He who prays in tongues prays to God and not to men. He who prays in tongues edifies himself. Jude says, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. All right. So... There's no, higher, there's no higher speech that you could ever utter from your mouth than that which is uttered by the Holy Ghost. Spend time doing it. Spend time. Let develop a strong habit, a daily habit of praying in other tongues. Give yourself to it. Because here's the thing. God is depending on you to get things done on the earth. That's, right. That's why you're here. He's partnered with you. He's he is depending on his people to get things done. And the greatest submission to him in that is to simply let his spirit do the talking. That's good. So that you can know the will of God. You can know the will of God when you pray in the spirit. Romans chapter 8 says that he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And you know verse 28, and we know all things work together for good to those who love God are called according to his purpose. All right? Does this help you tonight? So do it. Remember Paul said, I thank my God of speaking tongues more than you all. How can he possibly know that unless he's always doing it? And I have a feeling that, that has very, that's very much related to the kind of revelation he got to pin the Word of God by what he was receiving in the Spirit, the wisdom of God. Yeah. Amen. Right. Let's stand together. Told you we wouldn't get terribly far in this. We made it to verse 4. Yes, sir. And we still got some more things there to even cover, but let's lift our hands to heaven. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you. Thank you for the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the person of the Holy Spirit. 
who is our guarantee, who is our seal. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you that this comforter that you sent to us is one who guides us into all truth, who is there to, to reveal to us the things that have been freely given to us by God. We thank you for the anointing of the Holy Ghost that is upon us, God, that where we go, we go as temples of the Holy Spirit. We are the abiding place, the dwelling place of the Spirit of the living God. Oh God, that that, that that will be, that that Spirit will be in us like a rushing mighty river. Lord, that it will flow out of our belly, rivers of living water, Father God. So that wherever we go, we cannot help but be witnesses to our Savior. We cannot help but be witnesses of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot help but be conduits of your power, God, to be released to us and through us into the lives of others, God. Hallelujah. God, stir, help us, God, to, to remember to stir these things up, God. Help us, Father God, to understand that the world needs what only God has. Hallelujah. You are the answer for every man. God, give us, help us, Lord, to flow in the words of wisdom, words of knowledge, to prophesy, Father God. Lord, for, for discerning of spirits, Father, I thank you that your people walk, God, by the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit, Father, that we will be people who are connected so much to the Spirit of God. Lord, that, that it would be our zeal, it would be our passion, it would be the thing that we hunger for, God, to be used by God for your glory, God, to walk in the Spirit. Thank you, God, that everyone here tonight, God, is truly blessed of God because Jesus Christ took the curse out of the way. The curse of sin is broken. Here we are in this beautiful dispensation, this day of grace. Father, I thank you that as we go from here tonight, that we go in your power and your grace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church. If you would like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.